for our second message today, we have a sermon from Mr. Barnabas Grayson entitled, Keeping the Faith. Mr. Grayson. Good afternoon, everyone. If I sound a little different, it's because I have, uh, I guess, an allergy. Feels like I'm speaking out of my ear. So uh, I guess it's that frog that's in my throat, or a horse, whatever they call it. <clears throat> but anyway, if I start coughing up here, I'll, I'll get done. <clears throat> Most of you know about the, uh, the horrible thing that happened down there to the the Texas church this past week at a place where one would expect there to be peace, tranquility, and fellowship as any other uh, Sunday or worship day. And this place was on the outskirts of the big city, away from where, you know, crime is usually, usually takes place. A small village-type town, small church, and we know what happened there. <clears throat> I won't belabor that in, in this sermon, but we can also look back at the uh, shootings that took place in Las Vegas or Columbine or Sandy Hook and elsewhere where evil just came and struck some unsuspecting people. And there are some who may wonder today, who may ask, well, where was God or or uh, where is he now? And so some become uh, skeptical. They may doubt and they may question. They may become cynical or contemptuous or mocking at faith and uh, in God and in prayer. But tomorrow they, uh, the church there, in, in name of that, is it, uh, name escapes me. I want to say Springfield, but it's anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Something's happened to my ears anyway, so I can't hear you. But anyway, <clears throat> tomorrow they're going to be meeting with many less than they're used to. It will no doubt be a sad time, a time when they'll look around at those walls and at those pews and just try to overcome and forget what happened the last time that they met. And for some, it will be hard to return, but their faith goes on as it should. And, you know, this is the best thing to do. It says to overcome evil with good and <clears throat> call on God's help to, to understand and, and come through that trial. <clears throat> but what happened there should be really an alarm, not only to other churches or to other places where people gather, or where people walk, but also to even us here in, in, in this church. So what happened there should just be an alarm and that safeguards should be in place, whatever they might be. That's why cities and neighborhoods have walls. There's nothing wrong with a wall. You know, our houses have fences. They have barriers that are supposed to, uh, you know, keep the unwanted out because we don't know what might be coming in. 
We have doors with locks. We have alarm systems. We have lighting. And, and just like the towers and the walls in Israel, you had a watchman that kept an eye on things. So this does not show a lack of faith. <clears throat> but as the book of Proverbs says, that the prudent man foresees the danger. Still, things may happen. No matter how hard we may try to prevent them. Now, in the Bible, <clears throat> we read of a couple of things, tragic happenings, where many were killed. And it is for us, the living, to consider what it means for the rest of our life. For we do live in a midst of a crooked and perverse generation. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. They have rebelled against his word. They have rebelled against his way, and people get caught up in that. The ox knows his owner, and the ass his master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people does not consider all sinful nation a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. So, like in, in the song, you know, God is watching you. So, you know, God is aware of all of these things that are going on in our society of whatever it is, these things, no doubt, are provoking God to anger. <clears throat> but here, Isaiah, he has this vision. It's a divine revelation that pertains to the future. And it, you know, it pictures the, the southern kingdom of, of Judah as ungrateful and backsliding children. Yet, still, they're called to obedience. <clears throat> Why should you be stricken any more? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. Down on, into verse uh, 16 it says, To wash, to make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. So the evil is before God's eyes. He knows. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So you see there's a choice that people can make to be obedient or begin to start suffering the, the wrath of God. So in the Bible, as I mentioned earlier, we read of a couple of things uh, where tragic happenings took many lives. Many were killed. And that it is for us the living to consider what it means to the, uh, to the rest of our life. 
And basically it means that we must be watchful, that we should take precautions, that we should also pray and also turn from our sins. In Luke chapter 13, I didn't write down uh, the verses that we were covering, but let's, uh, we'll look at verses 1 through 6 here. There were present, in verse 1, at that season, some that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. There were these Galilean worshipers there. They were offering sacrifices. And here, and he's speaking of them. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose you that these Galileans were sinners above all uh, Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Then in verse 4, or those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew or killed them, think you that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? So one would think, well, m maybe they deserve to die, uh, making judgments about, about them, and that they may be sinners who, who, won't, who won't be missed. We are to, from this, we are to beware of an untroubled existence, an untroubled life, because we can't assume that it's going to be like that. So we have to be on guard. We have to be, take precautions. <clears throat> but in this age, we know that tragedies do happen unexpectedly, both to the righteous and to the sinners. Time and chance happens to all, as we, we've read. So, we are to be watchful, and we are to pray. <clears throat> in Hebrews chapter 11, it says in verse 6, Without faith, it is impossible for, uh, to please God, to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So without faith, you cannot please God. Whoever comes to God must believe that he exists, that he is present, that he hears, that he sees. And that he has these angels also that, are, that watch. And that he does reward those who diligently or earnestly seek him. So, we've read elsewhere that, you know, it says that the just shall walk by faith, not by sight. So we believe in an invisible God who can do the impossible. We believe miracles can happen. But just because we don't see them or have them or experience them in some way, it doesn't mean that God does not hear us or that he does not care or that he intends not to answer. Our faith is, as we see, important to God. Our diligence toward having it and holding on to it is often a struggle. The source of our faith, we know, as I've mentioned a lot of times before, it comes from the word of God that book that we, help, that we hold in our hand. Now in Luke uh, chapter 18, we see 
the story of the widow seeking justice, not only from the, uh, seeking justice from the only one who knew could uh, grant it. But there was this unjust judge that kept putting her off. And we read that because of her persistence, because of her importunity, of her not giving up, he eventually answered her petition. So this story helps to illustrate the need for personal diligence, for earnestly contending <clears throat> in seeking you know, answers to things that we need. And it takes faith, and it takes perseverance to show trust in what God has promised, and that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. So <clears throat> we see that as pretty much the point of the story that we read here, to not give up when it seems like we are put on hold, because we know that answers sometimes, as we pray, it, it takes a long, it's a long time in coming. Uh, sometimes we have an important thing or a matter in our mind, and so we ca might call uh, the insurance company or maybe s some service, and uh, you're put on hold. And I, I would usually hang up, but my wife Carolyn is uh, she's pretty diligent. <laughs> She'll go through all the uh, the music and all of that, and and she's waiting. She'll tell me, "I'll bet they're at the other end, hoping I'll hang up." But she stays on it, a little bit of, you know, uh, with a little bit of earnestness and diligence. Now, I'm glad she does that, because I would probably never get things done. And prayer is like that. It seems like you're put on hold, but really, we're not. But there are steps toward the uh, answer, toward the reward that comes at the end of our earnestly uh, uh, persisting in prayer. So that's the point of the story, because answers can be a long time in coming. And the point of the story we see in verse 1 of Luke uh, 18, if you just, where it says that he spoke a parable unto them to this end, for this purpose, that men ought always to pray, ought always to pray and not faint or, or give up or get weak. So that's what... The story of the unjust judge says to us, down in verse 7 of Luke 18. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? NIV translates it, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Some might think, well, just, you know, God's too busy. He must be too busy. Maybe he doesn't care or for me or my problems. And so doubts creep in and we think, well, I'll just give up. So what we see here is that if an unjust judge can answer uh, this, this woman or this uh, petition, how much more will God, who is just, avenge those who ask him, you know, because God is much better than any unjust uh, God. In <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 6, 
forgot to read verse 8 but where it says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. That is, he will vindicate them shortly. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, and this is an important question, when the Son of Man comes, will he or shall he find faith on the earth? Or will he find some who have given up on their faith in God, having lost it in some way? So we know at this moment in time there are many who are facing some form of adversity, having some trial of faith, waiting on, looking for an answer. And for some, their vindication won't be complete until the return of Jesus Christ. So again, Jesus told his disciples this parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Sounds like fun. <clears throat> yeah. Forgot what scripture did I do? Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6. Okay. So faith is one of the doctrines of Christ. It's a foundation. Uh, foundational principle and you know Satan wants to find ways to put a crack into that foundation to break it down in some way but as a church body we're here because we share a common faith faith in God faith in the resurrection that is to come faith in his words and in the commandments that he set for us to keep and also the promises his help faith in Christ as our Lord and our Savior in his sacrifice and his Godhead his hand in creation and uh, other things knowing also faith that all things are possible so we read in Hebrews chapter 6 the principles of the doctrine of Christ the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God and of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. So once these have been laid, we go on to perfection. We go on toward building upon this foundation. It's like a house that's going up. In verse 3, and this, we, and this will we do, if God permit. So it's like a house that's going up. As a church body, we do things together. We share a common faith. We share a hope. We share our aims and we share our goals, our faith. And we're a place of worship as a body of believers. But we also have read that we must work out our own personal salvation. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 11, I may have gotten these scriptures out of order. Uh, yeah, I think I did. We'll go to Philippians chapter 2. It says that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord. To the glory of God the Father, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. 
you know, we are to have the right character in our life, not just, you know, for others or where others can, uh, can see us, but, you know, to do uh, what's good even when no one's around. You know, they call that character because we know that God is watching, that he has his angels about us. For verse 13, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So to not do this is to, squint, is to quench the spirit of God because that's what moves us to do what is right and to keep a, a righteous character in our daily life. The scripture says <clears throat> to know to do good and to not do it, it is sin. So verse 14, do all things without murmurings and disputings. Sometimes we, you know, we don't want to murmur or dispute, you know, in the presence of others. <laughs> but then we might, as I have done, you go off on your own and you sort of murmur and you, and you have these uh, disputings. Why? Because, as we said, as we know, God knows. God is watching. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So faith is a personal thing, and we, but we must be anchored in Christ only, doing his will. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. He says in verse 46, Why call you me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me, and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was built, founded upon a rock. <clears throat> As you know, before anything is built, you know, it has to have solid foundation. And like today, you uh, flatten out a, a solid pad and then you uh, make forms and you pour the concrete or the cement and it, it takes uh, shape little by little and, and you, you've got this foundation. But it doesn't come, come all at once. Things about God, spiritual things, you know, they don't all come at once. We learn it little by little. But, you know, maybe it did for some. Some uh, right off got uh, understood the meaning and the purpose of life as God would want us to live it. But like, you know, many professions in the world, whether it be banking or electrical engineering or, or uh, you know, medicine, things of that sort, other services, it takes some, a time to gain a foundation in that study. And... It is important to have experience so you can apply whatever knowledge you've gained and be able to like problem solve or, or to give quality service and to help others. Like that little granddaughter that told her old grandfather as he's working out in the flower bed one day, you don't know what you're doing, you're gonna mess up. So you have to listen. In verse 49, 
But he that hears and does not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Of course, you know, we're talking about spiritual things, about a spiritual foundation <clears throat> of things that pertain to faith, especially when it's tested in times of adversity. And like the faith that we share, we also have trials in our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 16. It says that we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds thereon. This Tulsa church has a foundation that goes back to the 70s, to the late 70s. A time when we met in a family home and listened to sermons on a cassette. And then we met in, met in rented spaces like the Y or a room at the strip mall there on Memorial. And then a church hall where maybe 10 or 12 of us gathered and there was uh, Steve and there was Lawrence. And I remember David uh, opened up his home to, uh, to us as, as believers, fellow believers. I'd never met them before. We just saw their name in a paper and began meeting at his house. And so here we are right here together. And as I look around, I see how, how we've grown, young and old. And, and we used to think that, you know, just because we didn't, uh, not all the uh, chairs were filled, we always thought, well, there are probably angels sitting there, you know. So we had faith the church wouldn't die out. So this church has a foundation that is built upon, upon Christ. And it has grown to what we see today. And we can apply that scripture. Here are they that uh, keep the uh, faith of Christ uh, along with the commandments. So we say, well, where will it stand in the future? You know, that's yet to be seen. And as the Apostle Paul admonished in verse 11, he said, But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man lay, build upon this foundation gold or silver, precious stones, wood, <coughs> hay, uh, hay, stubble, uh, Things like that, you know, they can, they can be nice to look at, but it's really not the physical material or the structure that really counts. It's what's inside the temple, what's inside the church, what's inside the individual that, is, that has faith. Verse 13, because every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So we can see that, you know, uh, uh, a fire is like, is like a trial. If any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. You know, that's when faith survives in the face of a trial. You know, there comes a blessing. 
15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. <clears throat> Yet so as by fire. So as anyone who will have to, you know, free himself, extricate himself from, uh, burning, from burning flames, he has to let go his loss, leave those things behind to get out, to save himself. So, <clears throat> that church in Texas <clears throat> is coming through a fiery trial, just as we individuals sometimes come through various trials of our own. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next year, but we know that in the time to come when Jesus returns, that, that will be our saving grace. But, <clears throat> verse 16, Know ye not that you are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. That's good knowledge to have. To know that the Spirit of God is in us. That is in you. And to use it. Yet we are all individuals who must work out our own salvation with trembling and fear. But still it says we are also laborers together with God. An extended uh, family. Spiritual family building on a foundation that is aiming to be like Jesus Christ. You know, it says that there is no other name, that is, there is no other authority under heaven by which man can be saved. Without Christ as the Son of God making intercession for us, we have no access to God the Father. In Ephesians 2, chapter 18, it says, For through him, that's Christ, we both have access by one Father, by one Spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So we see their writings that the apostles and prophets have have written down for us. We see their teachings. We see their examples. And we believe they are inspired by the word, by God. Verse 21, in whom all the building fitly framed together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. In 2 Peter, and I have uh, there chapter 2, but it should be chapter 1, if I remember correctly. But verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. You may remember that, you know, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. So you see the connection there. The knowledge of God and Jesus and of Jesus, our Lord. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great promises, and, uh, great and precious promises, 
that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So we're to be partakers uh, of the divine nature, and we're told to add uh, to our faith uh, some of these things. Besides this, give all diligence, that is, you know, make every effort, add to your faith, virtue, which is good moral behavior, having escaped the corruption in the world, and to virtue, knowledge, you know, knowledge of the spiritual kind, information and skills acquired through experience or education. Then to all this, add temperance, which is, you know, is restraint, refrain from, uh, uh, that is, holding back from, you know, too much. Then patience, which is, which is endurance and godliness, character in doing what is right. And verse 8, for these things be in you and abound. Not only should they be in you, because we know they are, but they should abound. They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these, these things is blind, he cannot see far off, and has forgotten that he was purged from old sins. Wherefore, the rather brethren, what you do, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. Hebrews, oh, let's see, let's go on to Hebrews uh, 11. Uh, Brian, I'm going to skip over some of these, but you, since you have the uh, scriptures there on that handout, you, you can refer to those. Hebrews 11, we know this pretty much by heart, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtain a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Then, you know, verses 4 through, four through 12, you know, it gives a listing of names of those who were faithful even unto the end. But in verse 13 it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them, embrace them and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country seek another place another place to be and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out they might have had opportunity to have returned but now they desire a better country that's what we desire we desire a better country a better place a place that is an heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them, he has prepared you, he has prepared us, a city. Then we see 17 on down to about 31, that we see more names or examples of faith. In verse 32, and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of, you know, like Gideon, of Barak, and of Samson, of, of Jephthah, of David, of Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, 
wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had a uh, trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn asunder, tempted, slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these, all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided them some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So these names are written in the book of life. And they, some, well, we know that they're all dead in their grave. They're unconscious. They have not received the promise. But they kept the faith, even to the end. <clears throat> In John, First John, chapter four, verse three. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist which you've heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We know that there's a spirit in the world that we sometimes think is going to overcome us and sometimes it does, but greater is he that is in you, the spirit that is in you is greater than that in the world. So faith is an important spiritual part of life. It's important to God to find it in us. It is something that we build on. And we ask, well, how do we get this faith? John chapter 20. There's a story about Thomas who, who doubted uh, Christ. He, you know, he said... Uh, uh, when he finally knew that it was Christ, he said, my Lord, my God. Jesus had seen the real person, touched him, felt him after he had died and had been, resur and had re been resurrected. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, and he says unto us, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Now that's faith. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. Why? That you, that we, might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Faith we get from the reading of Scripture and by hearing the word as, as we hear from Sabbath to Sabbath, those who come up here to speak, to uh, give words from the Bible for after verse in 1 Corinthians 121 for after that in the wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God but it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe 
we who come up here to speak may not speak well or may not get everything across to those who are listening. But we know that the word of God is converting to the soul. It may be just one word. It may be just one scripture or one saying that is said up here that will, you know, cause someone to attend to it and to make use of it. Acts chapter 15 um, uh, is about a dispute uh, in which the Pharisees were advising that in order for the Gentiles to be uh, coming to the holy congregation of God, they had to be circumcised and do the works of the law. That's verses 7 through 11. I want to skip down to Hebrews 4. As I said before, we walk by faith and not by sight. We have, you know, hope of good things that are to come, looking beyond these perilous times in which we live. So, you know, uh, let us continue to uh, fight the good fight of faith and, and keep it and hold on to it. Hebrews chapter 4, seeing then, verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Whatever troubles we have, whatever trials or afflictions we have, he cannot, not, he cannot be touched. He cannot be touched. He is touched by our, the feelings of our infirmities. And he was in all points tempted as we were yet without sin. So, in our trials of faith, keep, by keeping the faith, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in, in time of need. I'll close with Revelation chapter 14. <clears throat> I'm about to get even hoarser. <clears throat> Revelation 14, verse 12. Here's what it says. Here is the patience of the saint. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. 